Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Kisha. Good morning, John Boy. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Awesome. Pretty good. Marcus doesn't have a word to describe how he's doing today. So um, Marcus got on with me about a minute early and started telling me about this, um, uh, this, I guess, game that's going around that people are looking at the contents of the bookshelves behind the, um, the Zoom conferences. And to see what people are reading or, to, or I don't know, guess personality or what have you. So, I do that. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Marcus has a blank wall behind him. Kisha, we don't see you at all. And, oh, you, but you do that, Kisha? You check out what people have behind them? Oh, yeah. I, I, but that's been a ha So, it's not just that you have a bookcase. Like, I, I, it's just that I think it's, I don't know if it's maybe a personality type, a habit of detail, but I take in everything. Like, everything. Well, now we get to see people's homes. And I think it shows the class divide because people go to their kitchens to be a little more humble, but the kitchen has become the showpiece of people's homes. So it's very, really clear who's living the high life and who's not. And even when Tom Hanks, who is magnanimous and down to earth, you know, came on to describe his experience of Corona, he did it from his kitchen, which must have been about 20,000 square feet, or not right now, but 2,000 square feet. <laughs> I was like twenty thousand, Marcus. My goodness. <laughs> right, but two, two, you know, maybe maybe a thousand or two thousand square feet, something like that. But I want I want to go back for a second. What do you mean about? Because um, I'm curious. Um, and it's just the words about why you said people go to before you said about that. What you how you finished up? You said it starts off being about about being humble in your kitchen, or it's a place to be humble. Right. I, I, I think people say, I'm going to do for my kitchen. That's a utilitarian room. Everyone has a kitchen, but not everyone has the same kitchen with Thermador ovens or whatever it may, may be. So people are going to the kitchen so they don't reveal too much about themselves. But I think the kitchen, in a way, is the most revealing about at least your socioeconomic status in the conventional mountain world uh, as far as what you achieve. You know, the, the, people judge when we were home shopping. And the first thing that we looked at were the kitchens. I don't remember the kitchen being such an important... The kitchen used to be a back room that was hidden away. Now the kitchen is at the forefront. Marble countertops, you know, Wolf's Thermador oven, two sinks. That's, that's the new living room. The living room used to be the center of the home. Now it's the kitchen. And my point is celebrities are going to the kitchens, and it's clear that they are much richer than most people. Well, is that true, or is it the fact that the kitchen actually was the center of the home because most people tended to gather in the kitchen, and because of that, they've, be, they've created it into an entertainment space where people can come in without being shut off from everybody else in the living room? Bottom well, line I, is, I don't have a thousand square foot kitchen. Well, it doesn't matter. If it you doesn't matter. Square foot kitchen. When I mean, growing up, no, for I, I, I understand what you're saying, right? but 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 it's you're right. It can be a little showy to do a Zoom conference from your kitchen. If you want to be humble, do like, you know, Jim is doing right now, put a wall in the back room. When you're showing background of your life, you know, when you pull up to the golf club in your brand new Mercedes, you're trying to tell people something. 
No, I don't believe, I, I believe that you can be humble and have things. I think that's a misconception of a, of a worldly concept. I believe that having things does not, it, it can define you, but it doesn't have to. And oftentimes people are, are afraid to show things because they think other people will think of them. They think they're somebody. Okay, so that's great. So you're saying optics don't matter, which which I can which I hope, but the optics can show something else. But if you're saying optics don't matter, and it's I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm not saying they don't matter. What I'm saying is, I I hope they. I I see. No, but but they may. I I get what you're saying, right? But if the kitchen is indeed the most comfortable place I am, and as I've grown and grown, whatever my endeavor was, I become a real estate magnet, business mogul, or whatever it is. And as I grow, working hard, I have this amazing kitchen. My, that's not, that's not pride of me showing myself better. It's a pride of my work. And there's a humility in that there, there, you know, you know, we, you know, we should enjoy the fruits of our labor, but at the same time, you can see somebody in their large kitchen and you can tell they're obviously pompous and showing it off. It really is a matter of attitude and you can pick up on that. And I say that because there are people who struggle in that space. They struggle in accepting maybe the blessings or the rewards because of what we're talking about right now. And, and just like the bookcase, the bookshelf thing, all these things, yeah, they are insights into who somebody is, for good or for bad. But what I was going to simply ask is, to, to, to both your points, um, I think that people always migrated to the kitchen when you had a gathering, when you had people over. Whether you wanted them to be in your living room or somewhere else, it was just a habit that they all gravitate towards the kitchen anyway. So I think... Making a kitchen more of a showpiece probably came out of a, 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 a an acknowledgement that eventually people said, "Okay, they're not going to stay in the living room. They're going to come to the kitchen. They want to be part of the sausage making of 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 the evening. They know the host or hostess may wind up in the kitchen for part of it. So we're all going to gravitate there. That's what we're having. Mm-hmm. People standing around with glasses of wine in the kitchen while you're finishing the meal that you're supposed to be serving." somewhere else mm-hmm. right that's what happens so it's 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 perhaps a place where people feel more comfortable maybe it's a place where people feel more vulnerable or more um they feel like they get to know the more authentic you that rather than the than the fancy living room that you only use on special occasions or the fancy dining room that you probably use even less often than that sure right so that, that all may be true, but since the kitchen has become a showpiece of modern homes, I do think it simply illuminates the divide between the haves and have-nots through these Zoom conferences. So you work at a company, and you're the CEO, and you're making $15 million a year, and you have employees making $50,000, $100,000, $200,000 a year, and you have to have a Zoom meeting. Are you going to do it from your kitchen with your wolf? Eight burner oven in back of you? Or are you going to do it from a blank wall and try to be more similar to them? I don't, that's a question, I guess. Right? I think I would. I would if I was making fifteen times what my staff was making. I would do it from a bookshelf or a blank wall. I wouldn't do it from my uh, nine burner grill. I would do it from my nine burner grill. I would because I believe in inspiring people to to go further. And so for, again, what I love about this conversation, it's it's showing our two different perspectives. Like I, um, because you're more more honest. (laughs) No, because my intent is not, I think intent and how you, how you project or whatever it is, is important. And so if, if my team comes over or, or they see this through, 
Zoom and they see, wow, she has that. And what I'm pouring into them are those possibilities. It is something to look forward to. It's something that it is something to believe in if that's something that they is important to them. I like going places where I see people thriving. I like when I go to my friends' homes and, and they're like doing stuff. It inspires me. So I, it, it depends on, although I see your point, but I, I, I also, I still believe it is about how, um, how we present things. If they don't, if my, my team perceives me as being some pompous woman who thinks she has it all together, now she's showing us her house, you know, like that. <laughs> but if that's not the situation and they understand um, your heart and motive, I don't believe it's the same thing. Well, let's take that concept to the question that we've been asking ourselves and each other about leadership. So um, first of all, uh, is it important or, or whether or not someone is, uh, is cognizant of how they're viewed by others? Because both of you mentioned that a few minutes ago about the question of, of how people perceive you and, and how they see your surroundings. And does it matter if you're, if you're, does it matter A, if you're showing off or B, um, what they think of that one way or the other? And then B, you know, as a leader, should you, you know, is, is it important to be, to be humble in your surroundings and maybe, or, or is it more important to be humble in your personality or is it either matter? Humility, trust. I think those are the two issues. So how do you, how do you be humble? And how, how do you have humility? Well, is it, is, is it one and the same? What's, what's one and the same? Are humility and humbleness one and the same? Yeah. So one of you guys, I think, Jim, you got lots, of, both of you actually have lots of background noise this morning. So to the extent that you don't want our, our audience to uh, hear you banging cups and, and uh, computers around. Computers, but it makes it, we'll, we'll minimize that. It makes okay. it seem like you're part of this, like being in a restaurant and hearing background noise. We are moving around. You might hear something drop. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're going to hear, you're going to hear dogs bark and everything else, but they don't want to hear you crashing your shit around. <laughs> Jim, were you going to say something? A couple of thoughts. One is, uh, you know, I think I think we have to be careful because depending on where you live, your living space could be small or big and it still could be expensive. Right. I think it. I'm more impressed with how somebody has their space organized and decorated than I am on, on the size. I can go into someone's house, they could, they could live in a flat, and if it's really uh, decorated to the nines, I, yeah, I'm impressed, and I think it's awesome. And uh, uh, so I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know that space uh, is, is the determinant. Um, I like an organized space. I like uh, you know colorful space. Uh, I like the really well thought out design, uh, and, and and that's impressive to me. Uh, on the original conversation around the kitchen, you know, when I grew up, the 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 table was in the kitchen. I mean that was, so so that's why people get, gathered was because that's where you played games. That's where you sat down and had conversations. That's where you sat down and ate. Uh, 
and, and it was comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mama's kitchen. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and it was uh, just where where we went to do everything, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like life lessons are. We had a similar setup. Like life lessons happened, you know, at the kitchen, the table in the kitchen for for us as well. And the living room was a place where you left a vacuum line marks. <laughs> so if somebody came in, they thought that you just vacuumed the the the, the room. <laughs> And then, of course, the family room or den is where everybody gathered. But and it doesn't matter how big or small it is. I have a, I have friends that have very well appointed homes. And ironically, one of my friends I'm thinking about right now, they had a kind of galley style kitchen, very well, like you said, decorated. But we tend to gravitate in that space. And I think um, it's a place that's um, like where conversation has, it is a comfortable place. I think it's a place where you can be maybe a little bit more transparent and authentic. And then with regards to um, leading with humility, leading with humility is not the same as leading with lack. And I think that sometimes people think that being poor is humble, but you can be poor and prideful. And that, um, that it is how we appropriate the things that we have how we are grateful toward for those things. And even as leaders, having things can be an example again for good or for bad. And you don't want to, like I, I didn't want to, let's say for example, in a home, I didn't want to raise my children to think that because they had things, they were say somebody just because they didn't have some things that they were nobodies. That you appreciate each of the things that you acquire to the point that I remember one Christmas, my daughter had, she really had an attitude, but she just kept wanting, wanting, wanting all of these things. And though we could have gotten it, I felt that it was important to give her that sense of needing to wait for something, whether it was good or exciting or that she'd worked for. And so she wanted a pair of Timberlands and I can't remember what the other thing was. And so she was super excited. like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I've had this on my list. And so what um what we did instead i said no i said you know we're going to take a picture we cut out a picture of the timberlands and put it inside a box and wrapped it and then we cut i think it was an ipod that she wanted and then we did the same thing with the ipod we cut that out put it in the box and we wrapped it and in each bo- each of those boxes we put you'll have to wait till valentine's day and so she opened <laughs> the gift but you know, so that's that's my that's my point. I think I think we can train those things um, and still have value and still express value for what we have, even to our team. Right. Well, I'm going to ask you guys to hold for just one second. But what about this question of does it matter what other people think of you? Uh, that was something that that Marcus brought on kind of early on this conversation about this question about do you care about the perception uh, that others have of you? And this is the Mark moment because Mark told me that another guy named Marcus, Marcus Aurelius, cared too much what people thought about him, although he tried not to. So that's that's a significant issue in society, right? We, We spend too much time comparing ourselves to others uh, and, and really we need to think about where we are in our own lives mm-hmm. and, are, and are we improving and advancing and, and, and moving ourselves forward 
And are we happy with the direction we're going? Well, I think there's a distinction. And Jim, I think there's a distinction that you can compare yourself to others, but I think Mark's addressing the point of what others think of you. Do you care? So you can not compare yourself to others, but care what people think about you, though. Well, I'm curious because I think that if you care what others think, um, then does that stop you from taking actions that you might otherwise take, even if you think they're right, because you think that people are going to be, um, people are going to think you're, you're, you're crazy or because you don't want to be disagreed with, or you just want to get along with everyone as opposed to be, and I'm asking you have to be contrarian, but does it, does it influence your decisions how others might perceive you? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the people uh, on uh, the Corporate Thought Post yesterday talked about how her idea of success has evolved. And, and I thought that was great that, uh, you know, success isn't, you know, having the most money or success isn't having the biggest house or the biggest kitchen. Mm -hmm. Success is how you define it as a person. It could be uh, being the best parent. It could be having uh, children that uh, contribute to society. It could be, uh, you know, achieving uh, something in your business. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And so that's why I'm saying it's important to look at your own journey and determine what the mile markers are for your success and, and not saying, well, gee, Bill Gates is a multi-multi-billionaire and I'm not. Well, okay, well, Bill Gates had a different journey. Right. Fair, fair enough. I mean, it certainly does. But then let's say you hit that success and then you, you know, and I think that goes back, I'm going to tie it back to the kitchen somehow. So <laughs> do you have, no, I mean, do you have the Thermidor cooktop because you think it's actually... A, a, is it a status symbol or do you think it actually makes you a uh you know you cook better upon it and i think maybe you then look at the at the at who is behind that stovetop so is it somebody who is whipping up you know elaborate meals and they say hey this is a tool and this is just mm -hmm. a better quality tool and i want the best quality tool or is it somebody who's truly just like reheating like, uh, you know, frozen uh, lean cuisines, and then does it really matter? <laughs> right, right. But there's something about always wanting the best quality thing, even if you're not the best at it. Like, when I was a kid, I wanted the best baseball glove. I wasn't a major league player, but I had my parents buy me a major league glove because I wanted the best quality glove. And I think there's something about appreciating high quality. And I don't think that you need to be the best chef in the world or even a chef to, to deserve a Thermador or a Wolf or whatever oven is that you want, that you appreciate quality with things well done, a sofa, whatever it is. So there is a fine line between being showy and wasteful and appreciating quality. Um, the person that drives the Mercedes, I'm sure a part of it is a status, but I've sat in Mercedes and the seats are actually the best seats I've ever sat in. So, you know, there, there is something to be said that Status things originally, right, were the highest quality. Uh, and then they became luxury brands and things to show off and tell people. But the original people who used the best quality things were simply s searching for the best quality things. And then, you know, later on, 
they became status symbols, Macintosh, stereos, everything. I, I think that's the way the world's evolved, even with the Joneses. I don't know. I guess the world's always been like that, but. Well, I don't <laughs> think, I, I don't think that, a, um, I think there is a difference. And I, and I think there also is, there are brands that are luxury, but are true quality. And then there are brands that um, maybe have a reputation or a luxury connotation, but in fact, their quality is, is subpar but they get by on, yeah. on brand recognition. And I think like there's Merce a, a Like difference. Mercedes, the, the S-Class is truly maybe the best car ever made. The lower A's and C's carry the Mercedes badge, but are probably not better than any Toyota. Okay. Well, maybe the Toyota's the best car ever made. I mean, you know. So no, that, that's an example where, 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 where the, the branding and badge, where the, the top of the line truly is a work of art science and art whereas the the brand watered down is simply a person just saying i drive a mercedes but your mercedes is not anything that's really special yeah it could be but there's and, and there there is that but there's also even where they're not where they're not the de-branded or what have you but they're living on either reputation of years gone by right um or <clears throat> or, or true luxury may be not flashy right might be very uh subdued and behind the scenes and you have to just you know you have to just know to appreciate the quality of that product right but then you're talking to... code then you're talking code to a, a, a real subset of a, a cognoscenti people like if you see like a extra wallet that is showy because he's showing off the people who really are in the know as far as no one really knows Velextra. so ah. there, i think when you're buying luxury products unless you're a rare person you're making a statement to somebody in the world even the understated luxury the people in the know know, oh, wow, that's a Velextra. Well, on, on the podcast this week, um, I was talking to Richard Chang, and one of the things we talked about were, was um, the tools that he utilizes. He's a big note taker, and he talked about all his notebooks. And so I asked him about, um, is there a brand of notebook or and a brand of pen or anything of that nature? And he said, you know, one time I went out and I spent um, a lot of money and I bought a very expensive notebook and I bought a very expensive uh, pen. And he said, and then I was so careful about what I wrote in it because I felt like every entry had to be just super neat and super perfect. And I went to all this trouble. He's like, and then I realized I was actually doing myself a disservice. And I was so worried about losing the pen and everything else. He's like, so now I buy the cheapest notebooks. And he said, and because it, the tool for me is to get the words down, not about how perfect they are. And that I felt this, this, this issue about the tool I was using, I had to treat it differently. And I thought that was an interesting issue. So I think, so if in terms of like leading and maybe people's perception of just how we are or whatever misconceptions are. So I like, and, and this is anything I like, I realize that I like making things beautiful and they don't have to come from high-end places. They could come from something I purchased from some secondhand store that I spray painted and made beautiful. And so as a result of that, it may be a sense that I, I like um, the best things, but I, I've learned to like the best things in each place that each place that I am. You know, if I, if I only have $10, I get the best $10 thing in that category. And, and so, um, you know, I, I just, that's just how I am. And if somebody is like, oh, 
you know, some people said some really interesting things. Like yesterday we had this conversation with our team. So I went in, um, they had to do a video. And so usually if there's a video, I'll put like maybe a different color lipstick on or whatever. Well, at the same time, I needed to put up the magnetic strips for our knives in the, in the, in the kitchen. And so my niece and team, they were like, you know what? The one thing about you is, is that you might come in with makeup on or whatever, but you'll jump on a counter or climb a ladder and do and, and put stuff up on the walls. You'll do the work. And, and so I think the things, whatever it is that we acquire, our attitude again towards those things and how we present ourselves are just that. I think that is important um, to present um, well and authentically. Well and authentic. And if you're presenting well with inauthenticity, it's going to come through. So um, whether you have a showy kitchen and I can perceive you haven't spent a day in that kitchen ever, you don't even know where the measuring cups are. I had to come in and tell you where your measuring cups were or your glasses. They over here, girl. So if you don't know those things, then it's showy, yes. But if you come into my kitchen and it's huge and I welcome you in and I have all these things, and I say, oh, yeah, whatever you want, you know, you don't have to ask, it's yours then that space that may seem elaborate has become welcoming because I welcomed you into that space. I'm done. I think, I think that's an interesting concept. There's a lot of discussion around uh, should, should a leader get down and dirty and be willing to do uh, some of the minutia to show the troops or the employees uh, that they understand and, and that they're willing to do whatever it takes? Uh, or should a leader be the person who hires the great people around them and delegates it down? And maybe it depends on the company and the size of the company and things like that. But that, you know, what, what do you guys think about that? Well, oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just gonna say, what it makes me think of is, uh, and to ask a question on top of it, but as part of it is, do titles matter? Because I don't think they do. I don't have a title on any of my business cards. Um, and I don't believe that title, I can show you. And okay. give me that look there, Kisha. Um, I do not believe that, that titles matter. Um, and so there, I, it does not have uh, titles on my, on my business cards because um, I am about, I am who I am and I do, and I do the job that I do. And does it really matter what you call me uh, in terms of what I do within the organizations that I either lead or work within. Including rolling up your sleeves and pitching in if that's what it takes to get the job done. Because getting the job done is ultimately what I care about. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer. There's, there's a different way of parenting, different way of leading. Some people are better delegators. Some people are better at doing themselves. As far as some people are better typists so they can draft documents quicker. It depends on your skill set. Not every leader has the same skill set and you have to find that works well, good for you. So Patton got into the middle of the road and directed traffic and uh, what's his name? Uh, Marshall sat in Washington, D.C. delegating everything out. And they were both two fantastic generals. So I don't think there's a right answer or wrong answer. You need to see your skill set, how you are, what you are as a person and use the best of you to lead. Uh, and I think some people are, are great delegators very big picture, and some people are better at minutia and maybe can roll up their sleeves. And, uh, I think, well, you know, Marcus, that's a, that's a good point. I do, so two different generals, I think oftentimes when we're looking at, you know, they may have been considered good generals, 
But I also think that in terms of being a good general, whatever it is, what then did, did your offspring look like? Like, what did they look like? They were good generals, but did that, did they impart that to their, the people below them that they became or were an extension of what that is? So I say that because, um, that if, you know, there are things that I, I, I do believe that leading by example is important. I sent you all a, a clip this morning and then they were talking about John Wooten, who would sweep the gym. You know, he was an example to his team. I think that's why he was very successful. Um, because they can, they, they, they respect your position, but they see that you're willing to, I may not always get down and do things, but my team knows that I'm willing to, and there, there is a difference. And there are leaders who, you know, they could be in a pinch, but the leader won't get in with them and they'll know, and they'll, they'll know that they need to, but it's just like work harder. Sometimes to create that, that sense of, of team, it is necessary to roll up your sleeves and get involved. You can't delegate always without being involved to some degree um, to, to me. And then maybe that's just, again, my, deter- my definition of what I think success really is. Um, I think, well, I think you can, you can certainly delegate, but I think there's also, I, yeah. I think you can delegate certain tasks yeah. out for sure, but I do think yeah. there is a question about how you treat those roles too. It brings to mind a story of someone who I worked with once who said, who was asked to do something and he said, no, that's the nurse's work and I'm the doctor. Um, uh, and I thought, you know, when you say something like that out loud, what that telegraphs to, to mm-hmm. your team is that you're more, is that, A, what makes you think that the nurse isn't important? Because I would argue they're more important. They have more touching on the, on the, on the patient than, um, than the doctor does uh, in, in, in a lot of uh, ways. And B, what would make you uh, ever think to say something like that out loud? And essentially, you were, he was saying it in a, in a, in a derogatory fashion. So he cool. was, you know, he, he was treating his staff as being beneath him. And I thought, there's something just wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But, can, but you still can be an effective leader, even if you don't have the best choice of words. Like George W. Bush... Donald Trump, they are leaders and they don't use words very effectively all the time. So you can be a leader and a successful leader. You can become president of the United States. Joe Biden wants to be president of the United States and is not so careful with his words. And some people have stronger skill sets of being orators or language. This isn't about, this isn't language. This is, this was intention. This is, I truly believe, again, words are fine. You can make mistakes, but that wasn't words being wrong. That was, I believe I am more important than you and I won't do that task. That is so, very different. So we, we know the world, right? There's 5 billion people in the world. Not 5 billion people are going to be leaders. Some people need, need, some people are not going to be leaders. Some people don't want to be leaders. So is it right for the people that are the leaders to say, I'm the leader and you're below, and you, you listen to me? Go ahead, a lot, yeah. of surgeons, a lot of surgeons do that, right? As far as real doctors, as far as uh, I've I, I encountered some very arrogant Oh, wait, surgeons. so is, so is oh, a so surgeon a real doctor and a non-surgeon no, is not a real doctor? Not a doctor. The, the person, the per- no, no, see, I was on careful lens. The person you were referring to, I assume, was not, you weren't in the hospital. You were in the workplace, and he was analogizing doctor and nurse. Exactly. Right. Yes, it was someone not in, not in the medical profession whatsoever. For the record, I do not feel that the only doctors are surgeons. Pediatricians <laughs> and dermatologists and ophthalmologists are also doctors. Okay. 
Well, Jim, you got again, a feeling on this one? Once again, I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. You need to be a nice person. You need to not gossip. You need to be humble. But you can have moments where you come across as arrogant. And I think every leader and everyone in the room here has had moments of arrogance. That doesn't disqualify you from being a leader. And I know that our aim here is to promote leadership and good thought. But most of the people in the world, historically in history, are not leaders. Most people are followers. You know, the Roman Empire, had, we only read about Marcus Aurelius. What about everyone else? All I know is one guy, uh, Caesar and Aurelius. There's still another 30 million, 40 million people. So um, I think that we're a little too hard on our leaders. Leading is hard. But once again, I'll say for the last time that there's no wrong or right answer. It's figuring out who you are and getting the most out of people to get an objective achieved. Oh, I completely disagree. I think there are bad leaders, and I think that one of our goals is to identify the qualities that we see in, in sure, in, in an ideal, but I think it is okay to call out, um, you know, poor leadership ta- uh, traits and uh, in, not, not in an embarrassing way, but in a, in a means to, to create improvement to leadership in general. Okay, very topical topic. Michael Jordan, good leader or bad leader? Has anyone been watching the documentary or following his his career? I haven't uh, watched the documentary yet, so I, I, I can't really the documentary. right now. The documentary makes him out to be a bit of a bully. But he did have five championships. I think five, right? Five? You're the one watching it. He, he, he had, five, I think, five championships. And yeah. and. All of his teammates said he was a, many of his teammates said he was a bit of a jerk, but he did get the most out of me and I performed at the highest level of my, my career. So there are leaders who lead with negative traits, but do have success. Sure, well, Adolf yeah. Hitler uh, was a leader. I, th- I think that it depends on how the leader treats everybody. Yeah. And as you watch that yeah. document, as you watch that documentary, even though every time Michael Jordan steps out of his room or house or whatever, and he's got an onslaught of people, you know, he spent time before games with with, with kids that that were disabled or in need, and you know, he always signed those autographs, and he he treated people with respect. He he hung around with his security, you know, group. He you know, all these things. <laughs> He didn't treat Jerry Krause with respect. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, but Jerry Krause didn't treat very many people with respect either. So, so I guess he reaped what he sowed, huh? <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, like you said, Marcus, at some point, every leader has to make a decision. And, and so sometimes people look at making decisions as arrogant or thinking you're better than somebody else. But no, you're in the position. You have to make the decision based on yeah. the input that you have. But but it's how you treat the janitor, how you treat the receptionist, how you treat uh, you know the analyst, yeah. how yeah. you treat the people that you interact with, your peers, your board, everybody. You should treat everybody with respect. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I'm sure we have, as always, uh, uh, outlasted our 31 minutes. Minute-ish. <laughs> Minute-ish, as Jim says. <laughs> so I hope you all have uh, an absolutely 
fantastic day. Yay. Bye, Mark. Bye, Kisha. Bye, John. Bye. Bye, John Boy. Bye, everybody. <laughs>